Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. And Reese, uh, I have a special announcement. I have officially quit drinking coffee. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, uh, I mean that I am a known coffee addict. Uh, you know, it took it took me a little bit, but uh, I'm officially done with it. Well, you know, hats off to you. I know that uh, you know coffee certainly has its addictive tendencies. So props to you for kicking the habit. Um, you know, I can't say that I've done completely the same, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not a heavy coffee drinker. So I think that, um, you know, you'll at least still enjoy a nice casual, you know, weekend brew, um, occasionally, you know, just, just when it's, you know, it's you right. know, Reese, it, it's really a lifestyle change, <laughs> oh, you know, okay. it, it's, it's a lifestyle change. Um, I just couldn't relate. You know, I don't know if you know it. Yeah. I don't know if you know anything about that, but, um, <laughs> you know, when I'm in the gym every day. I, to get me ready for the gym, I, I just needed that coffee, but you don't know. Now, now I'm just, I'm just cold glass of water when I wake up in the morning. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, I've, I've always been reaching right for the water, right? When I wake up, that's always my move. You gotta, you gotta get some, some fresh water in those pipes, you know, and then get it all out. So I I think (laughs) that, uh, that's a smart move for you and, you know, uh, other people trying to change habits and tendencies. Uh, awkward transition here. Are the are the Chicago <laughs> Bears? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I I'm sure everyone. I saw a couple of our fans retweeting the Ian Rap report uh, tweet coming out about me officially getting off coffee. But uh, yeah, I guess we should focus back on the Bears. I think you're right. But first, uh, actually, another little side rail. Uh, Caleb Williams to USC. I know we're not a college football podcast, but man, how exciting is that especially for usc fans like myself and zach uh man it's just it's crazy how much the program has transformed in the matter of literally since what was it like november yeah. 29th when lincoln riley said he was coming yeah well i mean it's been a, a little bit of a rebalancing in the college football landscape that's for sure i think that that's obviously a huge huge move um caleb williams in his short time at, at oklahoma was always showing already showing a lot of promise um and, and i think honestly i've said it to you you know off the podcast before i think that you know when usc is stronger um, the Pac-12 is a lot better, and it's just better for college football, honestly. Um, you know, I'm not someone out here that's saying that, you know, all the great historic teams got to be playing great because as an avid college football fan, I certainly have the teams I have uh, a lot of dislike for, and we'd be fine if they don't do well. Um, but I have no... Like Ohio State? <laughs> perhaps that's one of the teams. The other team, uh, <laughs> other team even more so is Notre Dame, but uh, we'll... Oh really? I, okay. I, I'm not a big Dame yeah, hater. I'm not a big Notre Dame fan, but I'm sure we have a lot of Notre Dame fans listening to the oh, podcast because and they hate uh, it. You know yeah. that that's Chicago's team since Northwestern is completely okay with going like you know nine and or like seven and what three? Well, they every got the smart player like. excuse. You know that's that's why yeah, they're only exactly. at good every about every five seasons, and then they slowly slip back down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I always find it so interesting about college football, how mediocrity for a lot of schools is just tolerated. You know, like there's so many programs that just don't care to be anything better than what they are. Um, I view Northwestern kind of as one of those, but that being said, Northwestern, it's not a big school. So nah. like the fact that they are revel- relevant is actually pretty good, but more so like what, like one of the schools I'm talking about is like Iowa, man, you know, I mean, <laughs> like, like they love Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. And I mean, it's just like the last time Iowa made a playoff was what in like 2015 they never actually made the playoff that year they went to the rose bowl because they got beat by michigan state Um, they they had the play it was like a play-in almost like whoever won that game was gonna go probably and they got destroyed by michigan state (laughs) and the michigan state got absolutely absolutely shit on by alabama (laughs) actually i think that iowa michigan state game it literally came down to our fourth quarter touchdown it was the only touchdown I think Michigan State yeah. had on the. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like yeah, a nine right. minute drive, and all they did was like run the ball. <laughs> was that the year? I want to say that was that the year where they uh, Michigan State recovered that freak uh, like punt fumble against Michigan. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, on Jim, I think that was Jim Harbaugh's first year. Yeah, there. I think it was either that year or the year after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
crazy stuff as far as college football is concerned and also two other other points of news worth noting tom brady officially hanging it up officially yeah, said that he's done so i'm honestly sad to see a, a legend walk away i know you know from the period of time that austin and i have been watching football he was basically playing you know so it's the last really kind of yeah. connection to to way back when um and man i feel like oh and there's also the whole brian flores news which is just kind of crazy yeah but yeah, it's cer- certainly crazy, and uh, you know I think everything's still being kind of coming out on that. So uh, we'll we'll wait to see how that kind of transpires on that front. But as far as Tom Brady goes, man, just uh, sad, really sad to see him go. You know, um, I hated him when he was with the Patriots, um, and I kind of liked him a little more once he once went to the Bucks. You know, I feel like he kind of once he got out of that Patriots scheme. And the Patriots were done winning so much. I, you know, I thought it was refreshing to see the Bucks, you know, win a Super Bowl. You like seeing new teams at the top here. Like I, I have to say, seeing the Bengals in the Super Bowl, I, that's, that's I'm sick. happy about that. You know, it's cool. It would have been a little bit sad if we just saw KC go back, maybe. Um, but you know, it's uh, with for Tom Brady, he defined a decade, and uh, he's leaving uh, some big shoes to fill for some of these young players. Man, they're just, I mean, I know we have a good amount of young talent, uh, especially in the AFC with guys like Joe Burrow and uh, Josh Allen. But it's just like I don't remember. I don't think we'll ever see a player quite like Tom Brady again in our lifetime. He he literally one of the best stats I saw is that he literally had a higher likelihood of uh going to an nfc championship or sorry going to a championship game than he did at completing a pass attempt yeah yeah no absolutely insane levels of success i mean the goat uh you know unbelievable quarterback he's you know not only the individual but the team accolades as well um so it's certainly losing a part of the identity of the nfl at the moment but, you know, maybe not quite, like, contrarian to you, but I think that, you know, younger quarterbacks, I think that what we've seen in this playoffs so far has just been a testament to how good some of these younger quarterbacks are, um, especially mm-hmm. when you look at the Bills-Chiefs uh, matchup and the, the chiefs Bengals matchup. I think that, you know, Joe Burrow is extremely impressive. Obviously, we've known Mahomes is good for a while. Um, Josh Allen, we've known for a couple of years that he's been outstanding. But there's also some other younger players. And, you know, of course, there's still the fair share of failures or people that, you know, we don't quite know about, you know, kind of the tools of the world. But there's still a lot mm-hmm. of talent coming in. But it's just uh, kind of a little bit of a new age for sure. I, I think that that was really Tom Brady was the last um kind of just part of uh, a whole era of quarterbacks. I guess Ben Roethlisberger too, <laughs> which is great that he has retirements overshadowed by Tom Brady. It's hilarious. Yeah, and it's just crazy because the one thing that I have to say is even though the NFC has been a lot more dominant, mostly because of the coaching, I would say, all the young cor- or most of the young quarterback talent is in the AFC. Yep. I mean, you're talking guys like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, uh, even if you want to throw Baker Mayfield in there, which I'm not a huge fan of. Deshaun Watson's in the Justin AFC Herbert, right now. Yeah. Mac Jones, Justin Herbert, uh, Patrick Mahomes. How can you forget him? Like all this young quarterback talent is mostly in the AFC. So it's going to, and I feel like it kind of has to do with when you, with the exception of the Patriots, I will say the NFC was just, I feel like over the past 10 years, way more dominant. I mean, not not a yeah well you take away the patriots then yeah the, the patriots, patriots just are, yeah. ruled the afc honestly for so long that if you take the patriots out then it's the, almost like the nfc is undefeated <laughs> you know yeah. honestly it's, it's kind of ridiculous but um i mean even that's not quite true because of course a lot of teams like the colts won it but i don't know if uh colts and broncos of course yeah those were broncos yeah, yeah broncos the other but you know i was thinking more like green bay uh, you know, the Saints, uh, even the Falcons had a couple of good runs. Uh, Panthers that, like, had that, that Panthers, breakout year. Superman, Newton. Yeah. yeah, almost undefeated season. Um, that was crazy to watch. It's always um, the defenses on the NFC teams, you know, or usually is yeah. not always, but usually, you know, not in the case of the Falcons, yeah. but 
the Panthers team for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I think the reason why we're seeing this swing back is because of kind of that NFC, I would say, dominance almost when, you know, all the AFC teams are getting the picks. You know, all the AFC teams, when the NFC teams are at the top, we're getting those high draft picks. And uh looks like a lot of these younger quarterbacks are turning out. And uh, that that's a perfect segue to, you know, kind of start talking about really what's going to be going on with our young quarterback, our young team. Uh, uh, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus had their press conference on Monday. That's kind of the first topic I want to talk about. Um, I thought it was notable that they brought Justin Fields into the presser uh, after George McCassie spoke. And I have to say, I think that I, 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 you know, you don't want to say winning a press conference. It obviously doesn't count on the record, but like I, I was pleased with the press conference. Yeah. I thought it was fairly good. You know, um, I, I'm never, someone's going to be one over, um, a hundred percent. And <laughs> I have my few gripes, you know, uh, mainly with just on the Eberflus side. I think that Ryan Poles is, Maybe if he's not 100% ready for the job right now, I do have confidence that within his first couple of years, he's going to get um, kind of all that knowledge that he needs and it's going to surround himself with the right people. I think what they've done in the front office there with kind of separating that assistant GM role, the way that they did things in mm-hmm. the Pace era was was very confusing. A lot of people wore multiple hats in the front office, um, but it looks yeah. like you know the way that Ryan Poles wants to run it is uh, a little bit more clear, a little bit uh, better delegated as far as who is doing what. And uh, I really like that vision that he has, and I trust his decision in bringing in Matt Eberflus. Um, there's just a few things. I know that you know, you said your point about, you know, kind of along the, the hits and the all the different acronyms yeah. he likes to bring in. Me, personally, uh, you know, find it very high school uh, kind of style, but I know you feel it's going to have a positive reflection yeah. on the culture, and that's you, you know, but I just know personally, and, and it's why I'm not an NFL football player, but I could not uh, sit in one of those rooms with a straight face with a, with a grown man throwing acronyms at me. Um, at, at the age you of know, 23 think, even <laughs> listen 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 i think as a guy that out of the two of us has the discipline to quit using coffee i think uh <laughs> that's it, right it takes you should a, probably speak a type of this. person like me. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a disciplined person to speak <laughs> now but in all seriousness i understand that um that being said I don't, I, I, I could see the acronym thing being, you know, it is a little high schoolish. I understand that. But I, the, the big part where I feel like it, it turns high schoolish is it's, if it's not authentic. Um, I, I really liked Ibraflus's intensity and he seems like a really disciplined, structured, um, and, uh, you know, uh, intense, intense guy. You know, it seems like he is going to be able to instill a culture, uh, that Matt Nagy was never able to do. And uh, a lot of people like him, but he does it while also being like authentic and personable, I would say. Uh, unlike, you know, there's obviously like a spectrum when it comes to NFL head coaches. And, you know, there's like on one side, the full player coach where um, they just want to be friends with the player and, you know, hype up the player. And then on the other side, there's the guys like Matt Patricia who take it just way to another extreme where they're way too disciplined. Um, and they, they kind of lose respect from their players because of that. It takes a special kind of person that kind of threads that fine line of, you know, being able to relate with the players, but also keeping them disciplined and accountable um, and instilling a, a good culture. And I, I really think that Ibraflus is going to be able to do that here. And that's where I feel like one of Nagy's biggest failures is. Yeah. Was, I should say. And I know what you mean about the kind of the authentic part of it. And I think he is, you know, um, being true to his word. And I think he does mean what he says. And I do think he is more personable than someone. But when I hear about effort, effort, effort constantly, just as someone that's mm-hmm. been around uh, Chicago, it just gives me flashbacks of Jim Boylan. I'm like, oh, I like, especially when he's like, get your track shoes ready. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like, you know, that's exactly yeah. what professional athletes want to hear is that they're going to be doing sprints. But, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. And I think that when you take that part aside, um, 
really, when you take and leaning more on the press conference, you take Tavares aside. I don't have any really qualms with what was said. Um, I think it was overall pretty good, and I think that there was you know a good relationship there that was shown between Poles and Ibraflus and respect. And like you said, I, I like the fact that Justin Fields was brought in on the leadership side. It it, it already feels like. You know, Justin Fields has really, you know, made this his team. And now it's just about, you know, absolutely bursting onto the scene, the scene and killing it in his performance this next season. And they're starting to build the parts around him to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I just think that there's other things to figure out, too. um, And obviously there's still more more work to be done. Um, but overall, with the press conference, I feel like it was at least motivating to to most people. And you're never going to please everyone. So. Yeah, and another note on the the whole culture thing, I, I you brought up a good point when you told me that you don't think it's going to affect really the star players. Um, I think the the people that I really want affected are the the young players because it's going to be essential for this team's success going forward and under Justin Fields that we draft really good young talent. And I don't know about you, man, but I always felt one of my biggest issues with the Ryan Pace era, and as someone who vehemently defended Pace, even to this day after he's been fired. I, one thing that I hated, absolutely hated is I felt like he way too heavily prioritized bringing in like nice guys over guys with like an edge to them. I think like, I always felt like a lot of the bears players, they lacked that like competitive edge to them. And uh, Ryan Pohl is something that he mentioned in an interview. He did. I can't remember with who I think it was with the athletic, um, he said that something that really bothered him when watching the Bears film when he was preparing for the interview was when Justin Fields got hit, no one was helping him up and no one was defending him on those plays. Um, and he he just said that he mentioned that as like that's a that's a that's a personality uh, issue that we have with some of this team and we're gonna find out you know kind of who who is going to match our new culture and we're going to bring in guys that are going to have that edge to them that they're going to want to be competitive, want to defend their team and really fight for the team. Do you think that anyone like really notable is going to get bounced out by that? You know, I mean, I think Allen Robinson, I think Allen Robinson's gone it's, uh, just from a, the way that he gives up. It's so weird. Cause now there's all of a sudden this like pushback and, and Man, we've burnt so much time about Allen Robinson on this podcast. It's not even funny, um, which mm-hmm. is crazy to waste you know that much time on someone that barely ever catches passes. Um, but <laughs> at least this past year, I, I kid, and I know I get under the skin of a lot of people. But now all of a sudden, there's all this pushback, and people are like, "We wanted to bring Allen Robinson back," and I think you brought that to my attention, Austin, mm-hmm. um, with like a few couple Twitter posts and and certain writers saying certain things, and I get the excuses that can be made from this past year. Um, it really seemed like there was something more to it than just him simply not, you know, giving effort. But man, there were certainly times this past year where it was like clear that he was going like maybe 80%, you know? Yeah. Like, well, like the two interceptions that Justin Fields had in the first Packers game, or one was a dropped one, but should have been an interception. And it's because Allen Robinson gave up on scramble drill. And that game was really when you saw Allen Robinson's true production dip. And I think, honestly, I think Matt Nagy uh, started taking him out of the game plans as much. Yeah. And right on Nagy, truthfully, if you're going to have a player act like that, where they're just going to give up on their young team, I, you don't want that. You don't want that in your locker room. And it was weird because in like the Bears press conferences, guys like Roquan Smith and David Montgomery, the true leaders of this team, mentioned things like, uh, like only you know there are still guys here that care, but also insinuated that there's guys that aren't that don't care. And uh, I I think a, a a big one of those I I, I truthfully believe is Allen Robinson. Um, I think he kind of let the team down. Um, I obviously I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, so maybe I could be completely wrong with that. But from an on the field perspective, that's what it looked like. Yeah. So I mean, needless to say, I don't think I necessarily really agree that the Bears have to make this push to to bring them back. And I think you know, really, the majority of what it feels as just people kind of look at the wide receiver free agent market and go. Well, unless we want to toss thirty million at Devonte Adams, you know where else do we really go? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just because there's limited options there. But I also do think that 
you know, while the Bears don't have a first-round pick in this draft, there's options in the draft to pick up receivers as well, um, which maybe mm-hmm. might not have as big of an immediate impact. But, you know, we're not talking about a full rebuilding team, but, you know, the Bears are in a good solid retool right now. <laughs> they're know? in a youth movement, certainly. Yeah, they're in, they're in a, a youth, youth movement. I think mo- it's... That has to be the greatest <laughs> term to, like, avoid <laughs> using the rebuild. Like, you know what? We're kind of just they're... We're introducing some new ideas, right? We got a youth movement. Seriously. <laughs> But they like we we are going to get rid of some players and we're going to keep some players. It's a different era for the Bears. Um, I think they're going to be disciplined. I I really think we may see a splash, a or two splash free agent signings this year. Specifically, I think we'll have one on the offensive line. Uh, I think like a guy that you might see the Bears target, even given his age, is Teron Armstead of the Saints. I, I don't think there's any way they're going to be able to maintain him really at all. And nor, they're, I mean, the Saints are kind of entering a rebuild period anyways, I, I and a full rebuild period. Um, I don't know if they'd even really have interest in trying to push cap later down the road to keep him on the team, uh, even though he's top three or four uh, left tackles in the NFL. And uh, what I think we're going to see happen is I think we're going to get a left tackle. We're going to slide, which is how this should have been anyways from the beginning. I think we're going to slide Tevin Jenkins over to right tackle. I think uh, Borum is either going to be a swing tackle or he's going to slide into guard. And I think Cody Whitehair is going back to center. We're getting rid of Mustafa. Yeah. And I think honestly, I think them, uh, bringing in a left tackle and then pushing Tevin Jenkins, like you said, is something ideally, at least I feel more comfortable with at the moment. Um, we got such a small sample size as far as what he can do, um, this past season. And, you know, I, I would definitely like to see, um, what he can do at the position he feels most comfortable at and has the most experience at, and that's at right tackle. Um, and yeah, well, if it could be Armstead, that would be perfect. Um, you know, either way, I think getting someone with more experience at left tackle is going to pay dividends. And then we have great depth with Borum. And, you know, if you make him a swing tackle, great. Um, if we can figure out a way, it, it kind of gets interesting with how you want to shuffle some things up. But I do think that, you know, we've had some confidence with the interior of the line with white hair, with, uh, you know, James Daniels and, you know, whoever else will be filling in if it'd be bars or, um, who's, why am I blanking on the center's name? Mustafer. You know, Mustafer is probably someone that we could replace, but unfortunately the number one candidate for that. Need to replace. Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Linderbaum is probably going to be, you know, away and gone before the Bears pick. Not a certainty, but. That's that's what I thought too with Creed Humphreys, man, and he fell to late second round uh, in this last draft. So, I mean, it's a possibility, um, but, you know, I'd hope that someone's got to change in that interior three as well. Um, but I think giving Tevin Jenkins a good go at it and let him get the start at right tackle um, will also be a positive positive move. Yeah, certainly. And I I think uh, just based off the background of Ryan Poles um, being an offensive lineman or assistant GM being an offensive lineman, that is going to be a, posi- a area that they're going to attack aggressively this year. And even though Toronto Armstead's a lot like 29, uh, offensive linemen uh, have been lasting a lot longer. I mean, look at... Uh, uh, Trent Williams with the Saints, uh, Dave Bakhtiari <laughs> getting a little Peters. older. Uh, J- Jason Peters is forty. Uh, Andrew Whitworth is forty. Uh, they're too old. So I I don't necessarily know if they'll view that as against as like a, a bad thing. And more so, I think they're just trying to they're going to do whatever it takes to protect Justin Fields. And I know I I really do feel like if they'd be okay with going thinner at wide receiver in order to get Justin Fields a really rock solid offensive line. Or just go a little thinner at tight end. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That too. <laughs> that too. I mean, what's the point of having six tight ends when we're only going to ever see about two on the field? And Seriously. even the ones for depth are just playing special teams. But yeah, we're exactly. past that Well, now. Jesper Hor- I hope Jesper Horstead gets a shot with his staff because uh, that man was on the field for like two snaps this year and scored two <laughs> yeah. touchdowns. So. Talk about efficiency. Yeah. I mean, that man just came on the field and then walked off. Seriously. Um, another thing that I wanted to mention, though, that I thought was notable is Ryan Poles also, uh, but the Bears are finally going to have an analytics department. Yeah. I mean, you have to figure that's a positive jump. I mean, it, 
just at least getting that off the ground and being built, um, kind of welcoming this team in the 21st century in a way. And, you know, analytics work out, you know, differently for each sport and football, I think is, you know, football has such a sense of variableness that sometimes analytics don't do it full justice, but it is something that, you know, in this day and age, you absolutely need to be using in some capacity, not full capacity, but some capacity along with, you know, human judgment and the eye test, which is very much a part of football. Um, but it's something that doesn't need to be used. Certainly. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously analytics has their downsides. You never want to have a team fully based on analytics. Uh, it's worked pretty poorly in the past for uh, the Cleveland Browns and other franchises. Football certainly, it's a much more, I would say, difficult sport to project than something like hockey or baseball or even basketball. Uh, it, it, it really is something that you need to have scouts look at and gauging the interpersonal aspect as well. Uh, but certainly, uh, n- kind of the next topic, I don't know if you saw this, but Frank Reich actually did a bears presser. Really? Yeah. I, I just saw it today. Uh, I came out today. You guys can check it out on the bears YouTube channel. Um, he spoke on Matt Eberflus, and after hearing Frank Reich talk about him, I mean, it was just raving reviews. I'll just highlight a couple of the things he said. Uh, he said the two big things that you'll notice about Eberflus really quickly is his intensity and ability to build, build culture. Uh, he said he knew from day one that he would be a head coach, and he called him an excellent talent evaluator as well, and said that he played a huge role in the drafting of the uh, defensive side of the ball for the Colts. Um, and then uh, one last thing that he kind of threw in there that uh, I don't think should be overlooked. He called, he said, this is a great opportunity for Eberflus and he called Justin Fields a young franchise QB. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah. um, you know, well, you obviously hope that, you know, Frank Wright would endorse him. I mean, obviously he kind of went a little bit extra mile and gave him, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, frankly, I'm, I'm, glad that he's off my staff you know <laughs> yeah, seriously <laughs> but um interestingly enough i mean he was kind of like a odd carryover when frank reich did come in he was someone that was previously the defensive coordinator so he could have gotten rid of him if he really wanted to but he's well he was only that defensive coordinator because uh uh josh mcdaniels hired him when he took that job oh yeah yeah that's crazy. yeah so he yeah, so he so Josh McDaniels hired him and Frank Wright came in. He's like, I like this guy and kept him. Yeah. No, it's and I think that obviously he has his his qualities and I think that he has, you know, we've talked about and I think it's been made a pretty big deal that, you know, well Nagy was always trying to figure out the vision. I think that Eberflus has a vision well built out in his mind and and knows what how he wants to get there and you know how to accomplish the goal, which is obviously a start. And I think that you know the the fundamentals that he wants to establish are are certainly not impossible to achieve. Achieve. Um, he made a big deal about uh, not not taking penalties and playing smart and I always being in the top five in the league and, and penalties. So obviously he's going to take everything and make the game really as simple as possible. Um, so I, I think that the bears are going to see some positive results for it. I, I think the question is, is Ibra Flus is probably someone that in his time, I, I think at least hopefully we'll get a few playoff trips out of, I think at the least, um, it's just when, when push comes to shove, when the time comes, which I'm not saying it's going to be this year at all, um, or the year after that, but you know, a couple of years down the line here, if they actually are contenders, is he someone that can get them, you know, over the summit? Um, it, it, can he lift that Vince Lombardi trophy over his head? And that's just something we can't nearly project quite yet. And what we're going to have to watch over, you know, this first year here to see how he you know, develops this, but he's made it very clear. This is a, this is a foundational year. He said it multiple times about laying the foundation Mm -hmm. and he's going to instill his brand of football on this football team. So it's going to be interesting to see if there's some awkwardness with that or not, but that's probably what I'm most intrigued about. Definitely. And one other note before we kind of move on, I love that he's not calling the defense. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely positive. I, I would have been really concerned if he was calling it. Um, to me, it was a logical decision for him to not take that, so I was happy. I want a true head coach, you know? Like, with Nagy, and these guys are certainly making work, obviously, like McVay, uh, Shanahan, yeah. they make this stuff work. Uh, but when it comes to defense, I feel like defense and play calling is a, not quite as... It has a lot. Defense has a lot more to do with scheme and game plan than it does with like your specific play calls. Not the saying scheme, that's not important. The scheme, but the scheme, yeah, yeah, yeah the scheme. <laughs> seriously, but uh, I I do like that he's going to be able to you know work with Justin Fields a little bit, maybe help him with identifying defenses, which is something that Justin Fields mentioned in his press conference. That he thinks uh, Eberflus is going to be really good help with. Um, he's going to be able to check in on the offense and hold people accountable. I mean, I like that. I this is the first time. I mean, I guess Fox also did that, but I just was never really inspired by Fox because he didn't have the quite mentality. But this is the first time I've been pretty excited about a Bears head coach. I mean, since Matt Nagy, I guess. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, man. I, I was excited about Mag- Nagy, admittedly, but um, I have to say, like, I, I do feel like Iberflus can be that guy. You know, he can be that <laughs> of guy. Of course, yeah. He, he's going to be... You as hard as possible, yeah, and, <laughs> but I think that it's it's really tough to project exactly like how it's gonna shake out success wise. But uh, I, the the way I feel is that at least he has a really clear outline. I feel like there actually is a plan. Um, so it's about going out there and executing it. Which when you have those details already pulled in there, um, it's a lot easier to go try and do instead of just kind of winging it. Which was maybe at times the Matt Nagy approach or just kind of going about the business and, and not really knowing what the full intention was. Um, so I, I do think that's at least a step in the right direction. And um, as he's starting to fill out the staff here, it, it's looking fairly good, um, but still some, some big decisions will be made there. And then uh, as a draft and free agency approaches, we're really going to start to see um, how Eberflus and Poles as well are going to, want to develop this football team. And, and like you said, I, I'm really hoping it's going to start with both of the, both of the lines, you know, the offensive and defensive, just because of, you know, where some of these front office members backgrounds is. Um, but, you know, I, I'm hoping that at the very least, I mean, honestly, if Ryan pulls like neglects the offensive line, he should just be kind of like fired, like outright, you know, like how can yeah. you have a background <laughs> like that? And, Decide to neglect both it. the GM and the assistant GM. They're like, yeah, this offensive line is good, <laughs> man. <laughs> like, honestly, I've never seen a better offensive line in my yeah. life. We would have died for players <laughs> like this on the Chiefs. <laughs> no. um, but in all seriousness, uh, I have some unfortunate breaking news. Ian Rappaport put out a tweet 42 minutes ago, so somewhat breaking news. Uh, the next up candidate for Minnesota is Jim Harbaugh, who heads to Minnesota with confidence that he'll land the job. And then another report came out that said if uh, if uh, given the opportunity, Jim Harbaugh is going to sign with the Vikings. How do you feel about this? I mean, I mean you're a Michigan <laughs> fan. You know Jim Harbaugh better than anyone else. It's, it's honestly a little puzzling to me. I'm not going to lie. Really? The Vikings? I mean, it's the Vikings. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I could have I seen the Raiders. You know, the, Miami was always a stretch. The Bears, you know, the Bears will be Bears. So I guess I just sense. figured that it didn't work out. But the Vikings, I mean, oh, man. I, I know that they have the pieces in place. And I'm sure Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's work with, you know, a few, quite a few mediocre quarterbacks at Michigan. So I, I think, you know, he maybe has some kind of confidence with Kirk Cousins. But, you know, it could certainly be successful. I just don't know how long he'll let it run out. I mean, that would make him... If Aaron Rodgers leaves, then Jim Harbaugh becomes the coach of the Vikings. It's going to make that team early favorites for the division championship. Um, well, here's here's my fe- here's my fear, too, is that he's going to bring with Vic Fangio, uh, reunite the way they did uh, with the 49ers. That being said, maybe now that Vic Fangio has been a head coach, he doesn't want to deal with Jim Harbaugh's crap. We'll have to see. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think that's a good move for the Vikings. I hate to say it, man. Well, like, I mean, it's I, hard to downplay it like it's not a good move. I mean, it's certainly probably the best candidate that they could get. Um, 
you know, I mean, he was one of the better coaching candidates out there. There's no one that's available that's as proven as he is. I mean, that's just case in point. Um, But the real question with Harbaugh, and I think that was the question that we had when we were discussing him as a potential Bears candidate, is has the NFL passed him by? You know, like he he was successful in a different era of the NFL. Yeah, well, I don't think the NFL is going to pass him by. And I think that, you know, my concerns I had with him for the Bears um, are a little bit dampered with the Vikings just because they're more experienced. Well, the Bears, okay, it's tough to not say the Bears are an experienced team because they have like, at least this past year, had one of the oldest rosters, if not the oldest roster in the league. Um, but as far as that, like the quarterback position, they have Kirk Cousins, who is more experienced. I mean, well, he might not be the most outright successful. He does have more experience, and they have you know some things in place that you know could at least make him a little bit more primed for immediate success. Not guaranteed, but maybe a, a better chance. And yeah, you figure it's gonna work out, but it's just like it's the Vikings. You know, I've grown up with them. The the best I've seen them be is those couple of years where they had, you know, Brett Favre. And outside of that, I've always kind of felt like it's the Vikings. You don't got to worry about them. So maybe it finally makes them lethal again, but that's just how I feel. If uh, I I don't mean to offend you, Reese, but the Vikings are almost a little bit like where Michigan was at in the Big Ten when Harbaugh entered there. Well, kind of the afterthought. I I mean, a little bit, yeah. I I think that... um, you know, there's no no <laughs> high in the Brady Hoke, and you know, a couple of these people they had before him um, were a bit of a mistake. You know, Horrid. and then you know, you take it back to to Carr, you know, who was who was great. Um, you know, right up into that, but they made the two missteps of Hoke, and I'm blanking on. Uh, he was from West Virginia before that. God, oh, Rich Rich Rod, he... Rich Rodriguez, yeah. you know. But that was a total mistake. Um, so, yeah, that certainly made him a little bit more of an afterthought in the Big Ten. And he cleaned him up. But, you know, it, honestly, it took um, it took a kind of a painfully long time for the turnaround to, to really take place. And it would be a little bit ironic if he decides to head out after just, you know, winning the Big Ten once. But uh, I do appreciate his service. <laughs> certainly. Uh, here's my big question, I would say. How... Why do you think the Bears didn't make this move? A lot of people know. were saying it was the it was an obvious move. Um, from what I heard, I think when you have Jim Harbaugh in your organization, you need to run it through Jim Harbaugh. I, it's not going to prosper unnecessarily the um, front office that you'd probably want. When it comes to acquiring players, um, not and I, I think that's kind of what we saw play out in uh, San Francisco that led to the eventual downfall. Is he inherited a lot of good players uh, before that, even though the team was terrible before that. There were yeah. still good players on that team, um, kind of in the way that Matt Nagy inherited some good players on defense. Um, but long story short. The, a lot of the players that he that were drafted when he was there didn't end up being all that great. And because of that, uh, the 49ers uh, kind of slowly leveled out and then lost. But, um, man, that is going to lead to a very interesting NFC North. One of the top comments was he just wants to keep being beaten by uh, Justin Fields. So that was kind of funny. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> we'll see if it shakes out that way. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think the bears, it's very puzzling at the least that, you know, someone that had the connection to the team in the past, they did not make any more of a run at them. Um, and I don't think we've really received anything, um, in line with an explanation that has covered that question by any means. So I'll be interested to hear in maybe a couple of years time, if there's some kind of rationale as to why the bears didn't make a heavier push, but for right now, it's kind of just like a big question mark, at least in my eyes. I don't see any reason why they didn't make a harder push. This will either turn out very good for the Vikings or very bad for the Vikings. The one vote of confidence I have is that 
Jim Harbaugh was interested in both the Raiders and the Bears job, and they pretty much just didn't even talk to him. Um, so, you know, I think that's uh, I think that's good. Um, let's go ahead and move on, though. Uh, but very interesting storyline, man. If Aaron Rodgers departs, now he's the most hated man in the NFC North, for sure. Um, but, yeah. All right. The Bears hired their offensive coordinator. We talked about this as one of the most important moves that is going to go along with uh, Matt Eberflus, uh, the Matt Eberflus hiring. It's Luke Getze. Uh, Luke Getze was reportedly the hottest coordinator name on the market. Uh, he comes from the Shanahan scheme. Uh, obviously, Lafleur uh, was the OC under McVay, and Lafleur and he was also the quarterbacks coach under Shanahan for those Falcons teams, and they were all together. Uh, on that Washington Redskins team back in like 2016 or whatever um, before Shanahan went to the Falcons. Luke Getze also had a head coaching interview for the Denver Broncos. Uh, They considered hiring him. Uh, He's accredited for Green Bay's third down scheme and RPO-based offense. Uh, People give him like the nickname, like the RPO God. Apparently, he's like a guru with the RPO. That word guru is already so overused in the nfl it makes me want to throw up whenever i say it um but uh, and but essentially the entire packers offense has some sort of rpo built into it where it's just a pre-snap look do you want to run it do you want to throw it and then also post snap based on a conflict defender uh kind of what you want to do um I'm, I'm happy with it. I think it's a good hiring. I think a lot of the guys we thought might be available turned out not to be available um, as far as like, or are actively pursuing head coaching roles. Um, but Luke Getze is, is highly credited. He w- wasn't just a co- QB coach. He was also um, the passing game coordinator and was previously a wide receivers coach as well. Um, I like the Shanahan scheme. I like the Shanahan tree. So I think it was a good hire. Yeah, I think it's a pretty smart hire. I like, um, you know, the RPO side of it. I mean, if there was one kind of the elephant in the room for the Bears offense, I think over the past couple of years, even with Mitch Trubisky was, you know, why isn't the RPO working? Why isn't the RPO more present? It's such, mm-hmm. such a an easy thing for this Bears team. I think it's so logical that, you know, the Bears should be running the RPO on a pretty constant basis, especially with the talent mm-hmm. they have the athleticism they have at the quarterback position, uh, the running backs that they have, and, you know, a developing passing game. Um, we're, we're working on that. So I, I think that's a very logical hire in that realm. Um, you know, you look at what the Green Bay offense has done. They certainly reinvented themselves. Um, you know, when you take the Mike McCarthy um, Packers and look at those offenses compared to, them to how they changed under LaFleur. And, and, you know, accordingly, you know, Getsy as well. I think it's you know quite clear to see that the, they made the change in it at least in the regular season you know worked out very well. Um, so I, I think that it's definitely a step up for the Bears. I, I like the way that they're they're trending in that direction. Um, obviously, I don't know you know the complete insides and outs of his passing scheme, but having watched a lot of Green Bay Packers football, um, it's certainly you know easy to say I like what I see on the offensive side of the ball and. A lot of times, too, I think that comes with a realization that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is definitely very good, um, but there are a a decent amount. Their passing scheme is certainly solid enough where a lot of these receivers are getting pretty open as well. You know, especially this past season, you don't see too much of Aaron Rodgers having to fit the ball through the tightest of windows. There's actually separation there, and that's something that Bears receivers have been lacking um, here for for quite some time. Absolutely, and... I, I do have two questions about this hire, though. Um, the first one, it's a little bit of a risk getting someone who doesn't play call. I'm still, I still think the upside's much higher and why I think it was ultimately a good move. Um, the second question, or actually, I guess I'll have three questions. The second question is, how good is he at developing a quarterback because Jordan Love looked like a bum last year? That's the one and, obvious uh, knock, you know? I mean, yeah, because obviously Aaron Rodgers didn't have to be developed. And if we want to look at the couple of years they spent with Jordan Love, it doesn't look like, you know, much progress at all has been made. Yeah. That being said, that's why you have a quarterback's coach. So I guess we'll, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute as well. Uh, there's been some rumors there, but 
And then the final one is... So the RPO offense, for those of you who don't know, is primarily, actually, all essentially always operated out of gun, right? It has to be. Out of shotgun. It has to be, yeah. It, it has to be operated out of shotgun. Justin Fields notably prefers being a drop-back quarterback. Um, he They implemented a lot more of that in the Ohio State offense. Um, they implemented because it, it kind of got him in rhythm. Now, we are going to have to kind of ask Justin Fields to do something that he's not as good at, but maybe that's a point where Justin Fields grows. And maybe when they meet before the offseason, that's what uh, Luke Getz is going to say, hey, get comfortable out of gun. We're going to have to see with that, though. That's that's really my only other gripe with this, potentially. I also do have a question. Like, I, I, it, I don't want this to be just like a prototypical Shanahan scheme, like Kyle Shanahan scheme, where it takes so much pressure off of the quarterback. Like, I want them, it to still have those deep shots, maybe more so kind of like what we saw out of Sean McVay with... Um, with uh, Matthew Stafford as of late. Um, I don't want it to just be this dink and dunk offense, though. I'm a little bit afraid of that as well. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, I think that they'll certainly... They'll, they'll take their fair share of shots. You know, it wasn't like they were necessarily lighting it up downfield this past year anyway. Um, I think that just has to be an obvious... Well, you know, Justin Fields has got to learn some things, you know, and is going to have to get more comfortable operating out of the gun... Um, operating the RPO more consistently, the Bears, the, the coaching staff is also going to have to do Justin Fields a favor, and they're going to have to, you know, Getzy is going to have to open, open it up a little bit and, and realize that's his strength. I mean, they're going to have to. The one thing is, I know at least they, up in Green Bay, they enjoyed running the ball, so at least they can open it up under play action, and maybe that's something they can still do under center with Justin Fields is utilize that play action. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's gotta be, there's gotta be give and take on each side. Um, so I'm hoping that the staff, well, they seem pretty headstrong in in, in developing their identity and putting it down. Um, they also got to make sure that, you know, they're leaving a little bit in there for what Justin Fields can do well. And, you know, the very few things the offense right now can do, can do well. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to some of the other staff rumors. Um, obviously, uh, Iberflus brought over. I'm blanking on his name, but the one linebacker coach from the Colts. Um, do you remember his name by any chance? Um, I actually like just had it up. So one second, hold up. Yeah. Well, while while you get that up, um, there are some other potential staff rumors. Um, obviously, we're in. We need a defensive coordinator. He's essentially cleared house on the offensive side, cleared house on most of the defensive side of as of late. Um, but there are some rumored um, hirings. Uh, yep. Did you get no, it? No, I thought I did. But. Oh, man. Uh, but anyways, yeah. I, I get dr- driven crazy with this name thing. Uh, the first one being, and the, probably the most notable right now, Joe Br- Brady as a potential QB coach. And I was going to look that up. That's what I was in the process. Cause I was wondering if that was confirmed yet because I was feeling like. It's, it's not confirmed. But, well, it's been confirmed by uh, – I think it was Albert Breer or someone like that, that he's interviewing for it, but uh, not confirmed that he actually has it yet. Okay. Um, but that, that is a, uh, a big name that I've heard multiple times over and over again for being QB coach. Um, it also says potential. Yep. And it's Dave Borgonzi. Dave Borgonzi. That's right. Yeah. He's going to be the linebackers coach that he's going to be awesome for Roquan Smith. Um, but Joe Brady is a QB coach. I love that man. You know, he had a lot of good qualities in his scheme, too, when he was with the Panthers, it seemed like at the end of the day, there was a little bit of a... Uh, I, I don't think he saw eye-to-eye with the Panthers head coach. I'm blanking on his name. Matt from, Rule. Yeah, Matt Rule. Uh, I don't I don't think he ever really saw eye-to-eye with Matt Rule. And on top of that, never really had quarterback talent or any talent on that team. Um, but I mean, he had Christian McCaffrey, but Christian McCaffrey's played like what like three games in the past two years like ridiculous like super super little um so i think that he will have outside of being qb coach i do think he'll be kind of instrumental into building a scheme and and i like that he's not kind of the primary guy i know when i mentioned him as a potential oc candidate you weren't a big fan of that on the last episode um but how do you feel about him as a qb coach yeah i'm fine with it 
That, I mean, it's kind of like OC light um, being the QB's coach, and, and obviously the emphasis is, well, on the quarterback. And, you know, while he had two quarterbacks last year, they were just lighting it up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, he had quite the opposite, you know, offense struggled, especially passing the football. They were getting the ball in the hands of defenders, let's just say yeah. that. Also, at the same time, I don't think that's a pure reflection on him. There's just a lot of weird things going on. Um, so, uh, based on what I've seen from him in the past, you know, as an offensive coordinator, it was a solid pass. But I think as a quarterback's coach, I, I do think he could have some good input uh, for that quarterback's room. And then also, like you were saying, kind of more generally for the for the offense as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's good. I, he could also potentially come in as like a passing game coordinator, which I would like as well. Uh, but I like Joe Brady on the staff. Obviously, he was huge in uh, the development of uh, Joe Burrow, uh, who we're going to see playing the Super Bowl and who's been outstanding. And I would say like a lot of the qualities that Joe Burrow has, I feel like it are, are things that is where Fields needs to improve on his game. Because Joe Burrow will never be that like deep shot guy. Um, he doesn't have like insane arm strength or insane athleticism. He a ton of deep shots. He's been kind of called. He was specifically coming out of the draft. He was kind of called out for his arm strength and his ability to push the ball down the field. He's viewed more as like a Tom Brady guy than than like a. Well, he doesn't have Josh like Allen he doesn't guy. have like a Mahomes arm strength or I mean like a, a Rogers arm strength or anything like that. But yeah. I mean, well, I not I think he. Certainly not, and it makes it a little easier when you have Jamar Chase down there, wide open, screaming wide open. Um, but more so, I, I would say that uh, where Joe Burrow is really good at is always getting positive plays. Like he's re- he's really good in those eater- intermediate. Uh, he like very rarely do you see him like take a really bad sack. He'll he'll get the ball away to even if it's just a five yard hit. And I feel like that's where Justin Fields needs to grow as a quarterback. I don't worry about Justin Fields as a deep ball passer in the slightest. I don't worry about Justin Fields and the deep intermediate. I don't even uh, worry about Justin Fields in just the middle of the field. I, I Where Justin Fields, I'd like to see him more is, you know, getting in that progression of, okay, deep shots not open, mid shots not open, get it to the dump off defender. And that's where I think this could be a good offense for him to learn right now. Yeah, that's always been the thing. I mean, he was taking too many sacks. He wasn't ever, there's only a couple of times we ever considered throwing the football away. Um, and did a lot of dance did a lot of what we saw from Patrick Mahomes in the second half against the Bengals, where it was just kind of a lot of run out of danger, run out of danger, and then still nothing was open or just couldn't see it and ended up taking the sack. And it was just too many negative plays. Uh, of course, a little bit of the fumble issue. But I think a lot of these things can be can be taught out. And like you said, I think this offense could cater to that a little bit more. I do think that if they can make the RPO a comfortable thing, that it's going to be it's going to be something this offense can lean back on and know that they can at least get yardage in that right. And I don't think there's anything this past year in 2021 where the Bears can necessarily consistently lean on and feel like they could always get positive yardage on out of it. Um, so I think that will be a, a cornerstone piece of this offense moving forward and, and hopefully in Justin Fields' development. Absolutely. All right, for special teams coordinator, one of the more intriguing names, Rich Basaccia, who had, that news actually broke on our last podcast. Um, I would love this move. Outside of the fact that he's a good special teams coordinator, I like the fact that the players absolutely loved him for his leadership ability. A lot of people on that, uh, that Raiders team were speaking out for him to get the head coaching job. Um, and a lot were a little bit upset when he didn't get it. So I, I think Bisaccio would be a good hire. Also, I like guys that have a little bit of experience, even if it's in that interim head co- coaching role, uh, to kind of help prop up, uh, you know, Matt Eberflus, who's never been a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, I think Bisaccio is is a great option there. Uh, honestly, outside of him, as far as other candidates go, I'm not extremely well versed in that space of knowing yeah. great special teams coordinators. I know that it, it sucks a little bit that we lost Tab, or um, it's yeah. certainly not the end of the world, but it sucks a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel pretty confident we'll at least be able to get um, someone in that role, and and hopefully, like you said, if it could be Masaccio where he's got that head coaching experience, that's perfect. It's great. Um, it's just going to be another, you know, quality voice in the room. Um, but I think outside of him, it's 
you know, if he doesn't end up becoming the special teams uh, coordinator, it's likely we're going to see someone that, that probably doesn't have that head coaching or interim head coaching experience. Mm-hmm. But. Certainly. Uh, and then another rumored name for defensive line is none other than Rod Marinelli. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, he uh, – you know what? <sighs> I mean, I know he's not terrible. He can coach the D line. He can man. coach. He, he can coach. He can't be a DC, but he can coach that D yeah, line. I guess that's where the ultimate kind of difference comes. As a D line, I, I would be fine with having him on the staff, and I know he's got and has spoken for Eberflus as well. Um, as long as he's not touching the defensive coordinator and that game plan, as long as there's no influence at all, because um, I've already seen that, and knows that the, it's kind of passed him by a little. Doesn't bit. work well enough. Yeah. Yeah, the game kind of passed him by a little bit, obviously. Um, he's getting up there in age as well, obviously. Previous Detroit Lions head coach before Caldwell, right? Yes. Yeah, before Caldwell uh, was with the Bears during the Lovey Smith era. Um, yeah, uh, I, I would be I would be happy with Rob Marinelli for defensive line coach. Another guy with head coaching experience, like that. And then a rumored defensive coordinator name. This has been so far the only interview that I think has been done uh, is with Alan Williams, uh, who's the Colts safety coach currently, and he previously was the defensive coordinator for the Vikings. Um, I don't rem- quite remember that or how that went. But I know it wasn't super successful. That being said, obviously under Eberflus, he's going to have like a different role, a much different role. He's not going to be so far into developing the scheme. He's more so just going to be a play caller, um, which, you know, I, I think that this defense coordinator position, while it is important and I don't want to undermine it, it's not nearly as important as some of the hires on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and it's actually, he was someone that I put on my possible um, defensive coordinator hires. Um but yeah, he's certainly looking likely. I don't know if I'm in love with it, um, just because. Not that. And actually, we should probably pull up the year. But I don't know the year that he was um, Vikings offensive coordinator. Uh, where's Where's Zach when we need him? Right. Uh, Seriously. But um, I, I don't think that he's. He's not ringing out as a must grab, but I think that a lot of these old assistants on the Colts, twenty twelve to twenty thirteen. Okay, so not not like when they were were doing well with Case Keenum because the defense was so good, you know. <laughs> Still yeah. a little bit before that time, unfortunately. Um, and I, I think that obviously Alan Williams does have his qualifications. He he has done a great thing with. He's getting good safety play out of uh, those safeties in Indianapolis. But I do think that maybe someone a little bit more bold, you know, I, I could mm-hmm. I could use someone. It doesn't have to be so much. It doesn't have to be someone that's already a defensive coordinator by any means, but someone that's maybe a little bit more prominent of a figure. And I could be have my read completely off of the Colts, but I just he hasn't been someone that has stood out to me in the past. Absolutely. And I also have to say that while there is benefits of going and getting a guy from your previous staff and elevating him because he knows your scheme, um, I think there are a lot of benefits to getting a guy from a slightly different scheme and getting a little bit more diversity of ideas and having this different new scheme that you guys develop. Um, So that's going to be the next topic. So let's go ahead and move on to that. Uh, Defense coordinator candidates. Uh, How many do you have? I had Alan Williams was part of my three, but I also, since we talked about it in the last video too, I was just going to give a quick honorable mention. I'll get that out of the way right now just for Larry Gray, or not Larry Gray, um, Larry Foote, um, the Bucks offensive or uh, outside linebackers coach currently. Big foot guy. Yeah, big foot guy. I think that. Big in the feet. I think, yeah, <laughs> you know me, man. Um, but I think that he would do a good job. Um, there, so he was really my main honorable mention. I was gonna give a little quick shout out to Jerry Gray, which is the Green Bay secondary coach, but I could do without him, honestly. So I don't need to talk about him too much. Certainly, okay. So I have a longer list. My, my first one is Brian Flores. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see the NFL's reaction to this uh, lawsuit that's going on. I hope that he can coach somewhere this season because I think he's a fantastic coach and if that's on the chicago bears i'd be extremely happy uh a couple other guys that i wanted to mention uh wink martindale who kind of fell out with uh, john harbaugh there with the ravens the ravens obviously had a 
you know, known for having a pretty good defensive scheme uh, over the long run. Uh, just a guy that's really well respected, talked about for some head coaching rumors as well. Um, I think that would be good. Another four, three guy. Uh, another guy I want to mention, actually two guys who have had head coaching interviews this cycle. Maybe they get hired. Probably they don't. I'm going to say at this point, uh, first one, Dennis Allen with the saints. Uh, what he did to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice this year was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. he made Tom Brady look silly, truthfully. Um, so, so he would be a huge hire and uh, just finding ways to keep that offense, which struggled through periods of this year in the game. It was crazy. Um, so Dennis Allen, he was also a head coaching candidate for us as was Brian Flores. And uh, the final one, uh, who's someone that has a lot of respect around the NFL um, but I, I foresee him leaving his current team is Patrick Graham. I don't okay. think the Bears ever interviewed him, but he's really well respected. Uh, another four three guy. Uh, I think just having that same base defense, uh, I think he'd be able to get on the same uh, understanding as Eberflus. And I, I again, I kind of like the idea of getting a guy outside of the Eberflus scheme. Yeah. So the, yeah, the only one that I had those inside the Eberflus scheme was Allen Williams, and then. Also, another name that I brought up last week, but I think is definitely a much more serious candidate than someone like Larry Foote or Jerry Gray was Chris Richards, um, the Saints defensive backs coach. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a legitimate option um, that they should at least venture out to pursue. I think he's someone that's done a great job. And like you mentioned uh, with Allen, with that uh, Saints defense, um, they, they've done remarkable things and, you know, <laughs> honestly, it's kind of amazing, you know, the, the little bit of torture that they gave Tom Brady and some games they fell off more than others, but I even remember what they did in that first game. Was it the first or second game that they played Green Bay this year? I think it was the first, first one. Game. Yeah. And yeah, they just really kind of, kind of shut them, killed them. Yeah, they shut them off. So I like a lot of what I've seen there. And then, uh, here, here's one. I don't know if you could ever guess this, man. <laughs> Do you want to know who I put give, on this list? Sure. Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Um, former, I believe, Jacksonville head coach. Um. Oh. Oh God! It was. Uh, oh God. Gus Bradley. Yep. Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley. Yep. Yeah. Was, who was this past year? Go. He was the Oakland Raiders defensive coordinator. Kind of. He's the most. He's. He's. You know, hopefully he's aging like fine wine. I think he is the uh, the oldest member that I had as far as any of these st- staff picks. Um, someone else that would have obviously had head coaching experience to bring on a staff if he so, if uh, Eberflus so pleased to bring uh, Gus Bradley on. <laughs> there you go, another guy. I, I wasn't too uh, happy about what he did with the Chargers uh, for that little bit of Not time, really, but yeah. you know, he was pretty tragic there. You know, maybe under a defensive head coach that uh, that changes. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good candidates out there. I mean, this year, really, there's no uh, lack of defensive coordinator talent. I think Chris Richards may have overlapped with uh, Rod Marinelli in, uh, in Dallas. Oh, really? Yeah, I want to. I want to figure that out. I'm pretty sure because wasn't Rod Marinelli the? Yeah, he was the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys from 2014 to 2019. So yeah, he overlapped there with uh, Rod Marinelli, and uh, so Rod Marinelli is obviously like the. I guess Ibraflus is Rod Marinelli's protege per se, but um, yeah. So I, I think that's another option. Uh, honestly, out of all these guys, Dennis Allen keeps growing on me because he has a he's done a really good do- job of shutting down high level quarterback talent. Which I don't know. Maybe maybe if Aaron Rodgers leaves, we don't need to get the coordinator that does that. But you know, you know certainly we be need to use- find the guy that's going to be able to shut down Jordan Love. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Make this guy's life I, a living hell. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't wait till uh, the pa- Packers once Aaron Rodgers leaves and they have to go through the Bears Mitch Trubisky experience where all the graphics don't even have the Bears starting quarterback on. It's like a defensive player in a and a the other team's offense player yeah man that that was a weird like in that 2018 year they're putting 
you know, Khalil Mack, Tariq Cohen. Kyle Fuller. It, it, it was like <laughs> Kyle Fuller on things, you know. It was a weird time. Before they'd put At, Trubisky, Bojack, man. back when he was wearing uh, yeah. 39. Yep. Well, man, I, uh, I I like how this staff is coming together. Um, any final thoughts on, on any of these candidates? Or uh, The one thing I want to say is I, I wonder, uh, since our, our uh, OC is from the Packers, I wonder if we'll target any Packers players in free agency uh, offensively. Like maybe a guy like Alan Lazard, Mark, uh, Mark, uh, MVS, what, Marquez, Marquez Valdez Scantling. And then uh, even uh, their tight end they got there. What's their tight end's name? Oh, dude. The, Why am I- the undrafted free agent. Tanyan? Tanyan. Yeah, Robert Tanyan. Yeah, yeah th- some of those guys might work. Get get guys that know your scheme. God knows we need more tight ends. You know, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I know it's people's jobs we're talking about, but hopefully they cut. You know, maybe at least one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, I I I think uh, I don't need to see any more of uh, J P Holtz. J P Holtz. What about Jimmy Graham? Do you need to see more Jimmy Graham? Well, I. I Certainly not. <laughs> this past year, certainly not, man. He should have retired, man. Uh, well, I mean, someone's got to be the candidate for the Walter, Walter Payton Man of the Year, you know, for the Bears. True. Here. That's the that's the thing. And we joke about Jimmy Graham, but really he's like a, a plus person. Uh, much, much better person than me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think overall, yeah, the staff, it, it's coming together, you know, so far so good. Um yeah, I mean, the defensive coordinator is something that's piquing my curiosity. Um, we didn't get to mull over the offensive coordinator pick for too long. They, they filled that rather quickly, um, so I'm glad there was some conviction there. But Which I'm happy about. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm just – I'm ready now. It, it's – you know, we might as well just fast forward to draft time at this point, man, because that's, that's where I want to be. Um, but I just know it's going to take far, far too long to get there. Yeah, free agency is cool, you know, but – the draft is more exciting, at least to me. Certainly, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm interested to see if there's any trades too. Potentially Robert Quinn. I think that's like a guy that you really look at as like, okay, this is uh, obviously he's a great player, great person, but a real trade chip, a guy that's aging. I don't think that they're looking to trade Khalil Mack. Um, I think Khalil Mack is going to see a lot of success under this new regime. Uh, but Robert Quinn is someone that's kind of known to have these up years and then down years. So maybe you're a little worried that this next year could be that. But you never know. Maybe he'll have a career like Julius Peppers. <laughs> maybe. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's already done quite remarkable, Robert Quinn, um, even for what he accomplished this past year. Um, would I be heartbroken if he did get traded? Not necessarily. Um, but he's he's one hell of a warrior and one crazy dude, so I'll give him give him a lot of props there. But I, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they moved on. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast. As always, if you would please leave us a rating and review, uh, we'd really appreciate it. We'll read them out on the podcast. Okay, so leave us something funny. An anecdote. Let us know what you think about the new Bears staff. Always drop us an email as well. Um, but specifically, we would appreciate uh, you know that uh, that rating and review really helps. Tell me how you feel about George McCaskey. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to really upset the fan base. Uh, <laughs> dude, some people were mad at Ryan Poles getting choked up during his interview when he was talking about his family, like on Twitter. I was like, "Bro, come on, this, these bears, hey, dude." And you know, explain this to me. Living in Chicago for as long, growing up in Chicago, why the hell do I only hear like those thick Chicago accents when people are calling into radio shows? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like a hidden group somewhere that just only calls into radio shows. <laughs> Dude, you know what? I mean, that's that's what comes with a job these days, though. Like, you know, on the Internet, you go on there, you're shedding a couple of tears like people are going to notice, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a huge day in his life, so I wouldn't necessarily fault him for crying, but you know, if someone's getting a chuckle out of it, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world, but <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. All right, guys, but thank you so much. We appreciate everything and, uh, bear down, bear down.